0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big 10 Hoops weekly show. Uh, I am Steve, and uh, we are here with Brett as well. And we're, we're super excited to finally have basketball to talk about. For those of you that are new to the show, uh, just quickly on how the format works. We try to keep every episode to 30 to 35 minutes. And the first half, we talk about the, the games that transpired over the last week. The second half, we'll, we'll talk about um, the games that are coming up in, in the following week and, and give you a, a few things to look forward to um, in, the, in the matchups that we'll see across the conference. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because most years when we do this episode, the first week of the season, there typically isn't a lot to talk about um, since most of the teams are, are playing cupcakes and, and getting there. Their tune-ups in before they go to their MTEs or play their quality non-conference opponents sort of later in the month of November. This year, I think it's a little bit different, and we we don't want to get too down on everyone so early on. But we have a lot of teams that um, underperformed in the first week of the year. Uh, some maybe to be expected, but others um, definitely experienced some upsets. Um, and so we'll talk about the upsets first. I think the the most noteworthy one, Brett, happened in East Lansing, and it happened basically on the first day of the season with James Madison going in to Michigan State and upsetting the number four ranked Michigan State Spartans. Um, so, Brett, I think um, you know my, my question for you, and you know we can talk about the, the actual game if you want, but I mean the the biggest thing that comes to my head when you look at this result is. Uh, is this any sign that Michigan State isn't for real, or or was this really just you know the first game came out a little bit flat and um, looked rusty? I
1: think there the I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. Um, I, you know I we we harp on the importance of of guard play and and continuity year over year, especially early on in the season. Um and. I think there's also something to be reckoned with. I think James Madison's actually a pretty good team. They've, you know, they obviously knocked off Michigan state. They've won against another tournament team in their next game. So I think, I think it would be more worrying if they hadn't lost to a somewhat quality, a pretty quality mid major team uh, who's in the top hundred of, of Ken Palm. Um, But I think the, the very troubling start thing, the one thing that I think you, you go to any Michigan state fan or observer and ask what they're worried about. And, It's the three point shooting, I believe, in their two games. So through their first two games, they're shooting six and a half percent from three. That's that's real bad. Uh, They are, I believe, two for thirty one total from three point range. And they're generating a it's a high number of looks. Um, It's they're getting decent looks and they're just not knocking them in to be. But I think besides that, um, you know, obviously the, the they gave up almost a point of possession to James Madison um and then before really kind of kicking it into gear against a very overmatched southern indiana team but you know with with a team like this that doesn't really have many proven offensive front court players you know you you kind of rely on your guards to create th- those offensive opportunities and and the name of the game last year was was kind of the the uh the kickout game to the driving kickout from Hargard to Walker and you know he missed he's missed all of his threes so far this year um So I think the looks are there and they will come, but they need Michigan state really needs to be able to show that they can win a game. And they did against Southern Indiana, but against quality competition when those shots aren't falling.
0: Yeah. And you know, I I think the thing that was the most surprising to me just about this outcome is, you know, we harp on the show a lot about the importance of roster continuity in the era of the transfer portal and that, and just, and guys moving around teams from year to year, seemingly, All these guys that Michigan State rolled out for their first game have played together. Um, You know they've had a good degree of success together, and um, especially just knowing what we know about Tom Izzo, I'm really really surprised that he did not have them ready to play. I think you know they will get better um, from three point land. You know some of this could just be rust, um, but. Yeah, th- there's also the mental question, right? I mean, Michigan State has not had like a legit, like national title, like top ten team in a in a few years now. You know, not not that they've, you know, they haven't bottomed out by any means, but you know, we haven't gone into a season really talking about Michigan State and conference championships and and national titles in, in a few years now. And so you wonder if this is emblematic of a bigger kind of thing going on mentally. Uh, behind the the scenes with them but i think the other thing that we do know historically about tom Mizzo is their teams get better throughout the year um they've got a lot of work to do um, and and we'll talk about a really really big test that they have coming up this next week where we'll find out a little bit more of them i would not um if you're the rest of the conference i would not assume that this means michigan state's going to be way worse than everybody expected they will figure it out they will shoot better from three um, and, and the defense will get better as as the season goes on as well. Um, maybe the, the next noteworthy upset um, that we should probably talk about is the um, University of Maryland losing um, a, a close game to to Davidson later in the week. So you know the thing that's interesting here is uh, Maryland surprised you know they surprised some people last year and I think it's causing a lot of people to pick them. You know, to be in the top quarter of the conference this year again because of the star power that that comes back. Um, but also, you know, just because um, you know Kevin Willard, new to the conference, um, had had a good first year as coach. You know, Jameer Young, you know Julian Reese, Scott. We've talked about them um, a lot of late. But a- again, brett kind of a more simple, high level question: What do we make of of this this upset um, at the hands of Davidson?
1: I think it's a little bit different because if you watch the game against uh, Michigan State's game against James Madison, I think you draw very different conclusions. Um, and because also this is a different team and they're more uh, – Maryland's obviously a different team. They're more reliant on a couple of high-profile freshmen um, to go along with their their trio of returners in Scott, Reese, and Young. But I think I, the really alarming thing is – Dante, Dante Scott's just utter lack of production so far. Um, He's made one of his, one of his threes. Uh, He's shooting less than 40% from, from two. Um, And he's getting to the line a little bit, but I, he really needs to be a factor uh, in if Maryland wants to really see themselves live up to these expectations. And he hasn't really been there yet. Um, And, you know, I think as with Michigan state, the shooting will come around They're at 20% so far from three. So they're, they're well into the 300s in the country and Davidson's not, a bad team. They're not a top tier mid-major right now, but they're definitely a, a team that can give power five teams uh, problems. But, and I think, I think, you know, one, fair, fair disclosure, we're recording this ahead of their game against UAB uh, tonight. Um, so I'm interested to see if, if things change and they're able to adapt, but it doesn't really look like their main guys have been able to get going yet. And I think we'll see a different, different version of Maryland when, when that starts to happen.
0: I I agree. Um I but I, I also do think I mean if they do not you know if they have a to Scott that's not, you know, given you like sixteen points a game and five six like if they do not have him as an sort of effective a co creator along with Jameer Young, I I do think the ceiling on this team dramatically drops and so I think that's an interesting one to, to look out for again I think you don't want to draw and you don't want to extrapolate anything from just a couple games of sample size here um, but I, I would say even relative to you know how Maryland kind of sprung on to sprung out to a great start last year and surprised some people I think I think it's you know they're, they're in a different position at least as far as just where their level of execution is right now and it's gonna be a little bit of an uphill battle I think. Um, as as they get into the meat of non-conference play to claw their way back to sort of, you know, where they started last year. Um, the last upset to note came at the hands of Princeton, um, who went, uh, I guess, put, faced Rutgers on uh, Monday at a neutral site in New Jersey and um, emerged victorious 68-61, Um, So uh, this is a little bit different than the other two teams that we talked about. If you all recall Rutgers um, by many people throughout the country and the conference got snubbed out of a tournament bid last year, um, lost a lot from their roster. Um, And so they're going through a little bit of a kind of transitory period with, with their roster perspective here. Um, But, you know, they're at risk, I think this year of sort of falling down to the way, way end of the conference. If, if, If they can't put together a a solid year this year. I know it's the first game. um, And and obviously, if you if you recall, you know, Princeton had that that run in the NCAA tournament last year as well. So I don't know that this is necessarily like the worst mid-major loss that you could have, but not a good sign for Rutgers. Right, Brett?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I, especially to kind of hammer home the point you were saying about last year, they lost three games kind of to to sub one fifty Ken Palm teams last year, and Princeton was is going to be a little bit better than that, but you know, especially if they're not a tournament team, that loss does not look good. And granted, there's a lot of time to come back from that, um, and you know, we we saw them turn around and just beat the hell out of uh, Boston University the next game, but I I think the the interesting thing is that. Teams that kind of can spread Rutgers out, even with their defensive tenacity, but teams that kind of live by shooting the ball um, and, and you know kind of d- passing out of the post and o- trying to get open threes. Uh, you know, Princeton was nine for twenty from three, which forty five percent. That's you know something you can't have happen if you're Rutgers and you're traditionally kind of bogged down and slow on the on the offensive end. Um, And we're still kind of, you know, we're waiting, obviously waiting for Derek Simpson to kind of blow up this year. You know, Marie is going to be a a force to be reckoned with in the post, but you know, Rutgers wasn't getting to the free throw line. They were four 14 from three that game. And, you know, they, they gave Princeton a lot of opportunities to, to run their game plan. And uh, you know, Princeton obviously no slouch uh, lost some players from last year's tournament team, but still have a lot of experience. Then they, don't, you know, they don't really make a lot of mistakes. So, you know, that was, that was how they were able to beat Rutgers. And, you know, I think we, we're still waiting to see where the consistent offensive production comes from for Rutgers, but this is by no means the end of the world right now for them.
0: And then finally, um, two other, I guess, noteworthy outcomes that the Big Ten fell on the wrong side of, you know, in, in week one, the first was, um, you know, Tennessee went into Madison. It's it's tough tough place to to get road wins, but um, the eighth ranked Volunteers went into Madison and uh, beat uh, beat Wisconsin by ten points on Friday night. Also on Friday night, Ohio State uh, lost a, a tight game at the hands of fifteenth ranked Texas A&M in Columbus. So you know, I think Brett in both of these cases. You know, it it was. I don't know that there was going to be an expectation that any either Wisconsin or Ohio State were going to pull off the upset. But I think, at the same token, these were great opportunities to get quality wins um, in the non-conference that uh, neither of these teams were able to figure out how to do it. I think maybe a little bit different of a situation with the with the Buckeyes in that they're you know they're young and you know trying to do sort of a quick rebuild. Wisconsin, you know, it, it's mostly the same roster from last year. Um, and I mean, you know, Tennessee, obviously, they're expected to be really, really good this year. But I guess, you know, are you more concerned about one of those outcomes than the other? Or, um, you know, are these just outcomes where, you know, sometimes when you, when you go out and play quality non-conference teams, even if you, you host them, you know, you might lose and it's, you know, you close the book and, and just focus on improving, especially when the outcomes are this early. I think it's a little bit of both, um, if if we're being honest, because I think you know,
1: I I really think you have to applaud teams that really try and schedule you know tough early season competition. I think you know especially in Wisconsin's case, their their schedule gets pretty crazy as we get into uh, the end of November and and December, and obviously more on that later. Um, but and you and I think you could argue that they did they did a lot of things right in this game. Um, you know they were they were pretty aggressive, taking it to the basket um they didn't turn the ball over a lot um there was but, but then you look and and obviously i think aj store has been a huge breakout player so far um he just kind of brings a new level of athleticism and and one-on-one scoring that they were really missing last year which caused them to miss the tournament um but you look at some kind of key defensive breakdowns in the second half on, on certain possessions um and you look at 14 of 23 from the free throw line um in you know a, a game that was decided by 10 points It was just kind of it's it's just frustrating to see the opportunities be there, but not being able to take advantage of them. I think Tennessee, obviously, again, really good team. I think they're kind of expected to be a national contender this year, top 10 right now and have a lot of very, very uh, experienced guys um, and bring in a good transfer. But I think when the opportunity like like this presents itself and you have a a couple possession game and for most of the second half, uh, you really I think you really do need to take advantage of that. Um and then to your point about Ohio State, I think that it's again, it's a 7 point loss at home to a top 10 team. Um I don't really think that it's anything worth panicking over, but it's like you said, it's just getting these new guys to gel. Um you know, it's great to see Bruce Thornton have a really good game and I was a little surprised that Zed Key didn't play quite as much. Um especially kind of as he didn't have a ton of foul trouble. But I think they're still trying to work out how that rotation works with kind of the more high upside of Opara and then also with a small ball lineup with Mahaffey. So they're still putting it together. And I think obviously we're seeing Bruce Thornton kind of starting to break out, which is an encouraging sign uh, as we move kind of into the middle of the meat of the non-conference schedule.
0: And Brett, you know, I know we don't really get to talk about Tennessee much on this podcast, but you want to remind the people of our favorite fact about Rick Barnes.
1: Yes, I'm always happy to remind America that Rick Barnes did not make the Sweet 16 with Kevin Durant on his team.
0: Thank you, Brett. As far as the rest of the conference, it was it was a it was a clean sheet actually. You know, the, the conference only dropped five games in this first week, and we we talked about all five of them. So. Um, you know, we, we won't get into every team specifically. I think there are certainly teams that you'll see that are two and zero or one zero that look better than others. But I think Brett, any other macro takeaways from what the rest of the conference was able to do um, in their first couple of games?
1: Yeah, I think I think two teams I want to want to call out, and I mean, you do have to kind of take you do take competition to some degree into it, but. I think starting with Purdue, uh, we have to just kind of mention, I think, you know, we had talked about in our preview episode of the potential of just kind of this mental block over losing to a 16 seed and how that was going to affect essentially the same players coming back. But uh, they have been nothing short of dominant uh, winning games by by 43 and 30 against, you know, again, not great competition, but still it's, you know, they're, they're D1 teams and uh, we're seeing ED continue to be dominant. Uh, Braden Smith and and Fletcher Lawyer uh look like they're doing are are improving um and we're seeing kind of some of the other guys really step up um and then I also wanted to mention Michigan um you know two and zero after with with uh, Phil Martelli filling in for Jawan Howard and we're just seeing a significant amount of offense uh they've scored over ninety points in both their games you know good for the twenty seventh most efficient offense in the country um and and are shooting the ball well. Um, and I think the important thing is we're seeing Doug McDaniel really kind of take a step here. Uh, and then as you had mentioned on the podcast, you know, getting the transfers like Nakamwa and and Burnett are really filling in admirably. So it's good to see that gel, you know, those guys gel so early in even what situations it can be a little bit dicey for kind of new teams.
0: Yeah. And so I, I think, um, you know, those two teams you mentioned are actually a perfect way for us to transition to um, what to look forward to the rest of this week. So, right right at it on monday the the gavit games tip off and so most of actually what we're going to talk about this week most of the marquee games in the second week of the season are you know the this is the final gavit games that uh will ever happen right and uh, so you're going to see a lot of big 10 big east quality uh, opponents and brett brett would like to have us all pour one out for that but you know never say never in uh the world of college sports you know we we might have a day where we get Oregon playing St. John's and the uh, next version of the Gabbit games uh, two years from now. So that could be fun. But um, anyway, on, on Monday, uh, you know, we've got Michigan going to the garden to take on St. John's and, and their portion of the Gabbit games. I think, you know, um, St. John's is expected to be kind of you know bottom half of the Big East, but nonetheless, a good uh, road test to see if Michigan's, uh, see if Michigan's for real, and then we've got Xavier going to Purdue which Xavier more of a upper half of the uh, the, the, the big East you know more or less or, or middle to upper half and this is this, this will be the first time we get to see again a Purdue team that has a lot of um, you know uh, guys that that come back from their roster last year and is expected again to you know be in the top five top ten of the country for most of the year and it'll be exciting to see them play a real team, especially after they've looked so good in the in the first week. Um, and then, you know, Brett, we we go on to Tuesday. What do we have to look forward to on Tuesday?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's it's a really good slate of games. And I I I you know, a tongue in cheek pouring one out for the Gavit games, but I think you know we're losing a lot of these interconference competitions as we navigate different TV deals. And I think that uh, that's kind of a shame because it's the Big Ten ACC Challenge gone uh the gavit games are soon to be gone and i think it's just really good to get these kind of high profile uh events early when you get you know when you uh kind of have everyone playing different different high level competition um and to kind of get a measuring stick for where your team where these teams are um so i guess with that in mind be- before we kind of talk about the headliner of the night the, the the gavit games the first one we have uh wisconsin providence um and i think Coming off a really tough game against Tennessee, uh, into an immediate road trip into what'll be a hostile crowd in, in Providence is is another really good measuring stick for for Wisconsin, even though Providence is a little bit of a mess right now. Um, just kind of with all the the transfers, and it's you know, they've played pretty well to start the season. And I think any any game like that where you've got uh a big crowd and and a juiced up team is is gonna be a good measuring stick. So I think if Wisconsin can score effectively and make their free throws they have a really good chance to win this game then we move on to two games that will where there will be so many points scored my god Uh, marquette illinois illinois has uh not had the cleanest start to the season so far um they you know played a really close one or not really but you know they were it was within 10 or an 11 point game against oakland and they were able to kind of put away eastern illinois so things could be worse but um I think Mar- Marquette coming in is uh, a really huge, huge test. I think we we all know we saw we all saw Marquette took the take the country kind of by storm last year. Tyler Colex, a really good point guard, is going to put a lot of pressure on Illinois' defense. Um, and so Illinois is going to have to be extremely, extremely just solid defensively and and really kind of hold their positions um, because Marquette can put up points in bunches. Um, and it's going to be a game where you know we might see if Shannon isn't handling the ball that much, he, uh, Illinois could have some problems because Marquette's got a pretty stingy defense. And, uh, I, I I do think they will win this game. Um, but I'm excited to see Illinois kind of best effort at, at, at a top tier team. Then finally, Iowa Creighton, uh, Creighton has one of the, the top players in the country in Ryan Kalkbrenner. And even though they are replacing, uh, a decent amount of their, uh, production from last year, they still have Baylor Shireman. They still have Trey Alexander. They can score points. Uh, they've, scored 90 and 105 points in their two games. And I think it's going to be a very interesting time against Iowa, who has scored 98 and 110 points in their two games so far. I think that, yeah, it's going to be a question of if Iowa can defend. Their defensive efficiency is not great so far this year, uh, ranking at 100 so far. Um, and they're going to need to get stops and really find ways to score because the, in- the inside is pretty much going to be cut off by Kalkbrenner. So this is a game where they're going to have to make their shots, uh, especially from three and then finally we get the the headliner of the night uh Duke and Michigan State. You know, obviously we're all try waiting to see what Michigan State's deal is going to be in terms of how they respond. I mean, they from from the loss last week they did again beat Southern Indiana, but this Duke team is a a much different animal. Um and it's at a it's at a neutral site. This game is at the United Center in Chicago, and I do not know how they're going to handle Kyle Filipowski. I I think he's going to really be able to get inside and have a good game and it might be a little difficult for the Spartans to score if they're not hitting their threes.
0: So as, as Brett said, you know, we've, we've, we've got a lot of um, high profile games really at the, in the early half of of this week. So I think definitely tune into Tuesday. If you've got some time on couch Um, three to four, really, really quality matchups there Um, lightens up a little bit as we move into the second half of the week, but I guess I'll talk about um, what's going on both, both Thursday, because there are some intriguing matchups the first thing I wanted to highlight and so you might laugh at at me highlighting this but I, I did want to call out um, Missouri um, going on the road to take on Minnesota I mean we all have Minnesota at the bottom of the conference and uh, we don't really need to talk about why they've, they've been in the dumpster for a while and um, we've all been hoping that they're going to pull out of it but um, you know this this Missouri game presents an interesting opportunity. Uh, Missouri already has a loss this year. They, uh, they were defeated at the hands of the Memphis Grizzlies. And if you recall, missouri's a pretty good team. You know, they were seven seed in the tournament last year. Uh, they, they lost at the, at the hands of, of Princeton. Um, so again, you know, like if, if Ben Johnson wants like any, to, to get any momentum, this is at least a great opportunity. Minnesota's two and O not that they played anyone, but uh, I'm interested to see how much fight that team has, especially with the opportunity to get, you know, a somewhat quality win um, kind of early on in the season. And then on Friday, the the Gavit games finish off. So um, Butler, Butler goes to to Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State should not have any trouble with them. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, only on a few days rest after that, that Duke game, which is expected to be. You know, NCA tournament like early season environment there. Can they avoid a letdown against Butler? Um, and then Maryland goes to Villanova on Friday. You know, Maryland already with the the early upset that we talked about earlier. um Vill- Villanova, um, you know, coming off a down year, um, they're trying to get themselves back into form and um, get get their program to a point where they can consistently make tournaments as they. Get used to what life's like um, post Jay Wright. Uh, Justin Moore has been really, really good to, to start out the season, so you know he, he's definitely the guy to watch when you look at that Villanova team. But you know, I'm, it'll be interesting to see if Maryland can kind of get out of their funk. Staying on the East Coast for this game, so not um, not terribly difficult from like a Um, you know, being away from home, but going on the road might not be terrible for them and, trying to shake off some of the rust and get back to the quality of play that they were at last year.
1: All right. And moving into uh, the weekend. um, So we've got a couple interesting games on Saturday. I think this Rhode Island Northwestern game uh, is going to be going to be very interesting. That's in Connecticut at the Mohegan sun uh, as part of the hall of fame tip off, I believe Northwestern, we haven't talked about them much yet. Two and zero with a win over Dayton that could prove pretty valuable as the season moves on. Um, has been has definitely been getting it done on the offensive end. Uh, they're you know, top forty in the country in offensive efficiency. Um, I think we've seen Boo really continue to stand out. You know, so far this season, and I think a big a big help for the team so far has been uh, the emergence of, of Brooks Barnheiser as a, as a, a dependable score. Um, you know, he's, he's averaging uh, about 15 points a game right now uh, across their two games. And we really said that there was going to be a need for, for somebody to pick it up in the absence of chase Audish, and He's been doing that so far. So I think, you know, another game against a, a mid major that's, that's always, you know, Rhode Island is, is not up to where they were under Dan Hurley, but uh, are definitely still going to be a challenge to some degree. But I think that if they can keep getting contributions across the board and they can get Langborg to, to really get going offensively, I think, I think there's something there with this team um, that we've, that we've seen so far. And then lastly, on Saturday, we've got Nebraska uh, at Oregon state and that game uh, is at another neutral site. Oh, that's at the Pentagon in, uh, in South Dakota. So it'll be the end of a three game week for Nebraska. um, And I think that it's a game they should they should win. Uh, Oregon State, while a Power Five team, is, is not great this year so far. Um, and we've actually seen Nebraska play some solid offense and defense, albeit against Lindenwood and, and Florida A and M. So you know, adjust accordingly. But I believe that they've also been doing it without Casey Tominaga, uh, who, is, who has who's been hurt to start the year. So we've seen Rink Mast and Bryce Williams, kind of two guys we highlighted so far uh, in the preview uh, so far, really pick up a lot of the scoring and so you know I think it's a good another good early season measuring stick I think obviously you know given Nebraska's history it's you know fair to wonder if the 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 early start was fool's gold and I think we should get a really good measuring stick of of where they are kind of at the end of a long week against a, a team that will have the athletes to keep up
0: and then finally on Sunday we've got UConn taking on the Indiana Hoosiers I, I would say, you know, in, in their first game, the Indiana Hoosiers, you know, you, you could see the, the sort of roughness that they're going to go through in, um, you know, dealing with losing a guy like like Chase Jackson Davis and Jalen Hitchfino. You know, it's a new era in Indiana, for sure. But um, the expectations there, I think, are still pretty high. And um, I mean, what better way to measure where you're at than, um, then taking on the uh, the defending champs. This uh, this this game will be at the the Garden. It's part of it's it's this um this Empire Classic. So it's it's not a it's a neutral site game. It's um it's not at Indiana. But uh, no, you know stars stars will be out. You know people will be watching that game. And you know really good, I think, opportunity for some of these young guys and transfers at Indiana to to prove that they can hang with with the nation's elite. Again, these early games, um, even if they don't win, right? Like these early games where you can prove you can hang, you know, Mike Woodson's proven that he's kind of like a culture coach, you know, and that his teams, unlike his his other Indiana coaches that haven't been able to get the culture right, his teams are gonna fight, um, they're gonna play solid defense, they're gonna execute. It's a it's a big ask, you know, to to go in and 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 try to take down the defending champs, but at the same time. Um, early in the year, this this might be their opportunity to sneak through some prize to people and and pick up momentum. Um, and so we'll definitely be interested to see how Indiana um, shows itself there. It'll be a good early season measuring stick for that team. With that, um, we've got you covered um, for this week and last from from here. Uh, if you've got any uh, questions for us, um, definitely feel free to hit us up on. Either via email or via social media or just if you want to go to Brett's house, feel free to make a home call to, uh, um, to see if you have any requests for topics that you want, to hit, want us to hit more on. Or if there's um, any questions that you have, we're always happy to take questions, too. We're excited to get the season off and running. We'll be with you the rest of the way. Um, thanks again for listening and looking forward to being with you guys next week.